Like a bull in a china shop, it's the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. The Medicare podcast that can't be bothered when Garage Squad is on. He knows that the word amazing can also mean bad. Medicare expert, Doug Jones. Hello again, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another thrill packed episode of the Medicare for the lazy man podcast. I am Doug Jones, your Medicare expert, and I'm here to make you feel really, really confident that Medicare is the answer to your problems. Not all your problems, just a few of your problems, but those problems are pretty important when medical bills show up in your mailbox and you find that they're asking an arm and a leg. Uh, to pay for the treatment that they've provided you in the past, you're going to find that it's uh, going to be nice to have Medicare, a Medicare supplement, and Doug Jones in your corner to protect you from the the disheartening fiscal pain that could accrue otherwise. So join me, and you can do that by reading my book, Medicare for the lazy man 2023 you're going to find that the answers of medicare uh, knowledge and the answers to your questions about medicare are all contained within the book in very palatable bite-sized pieces and when you finish that book when you have finished the final chapter and you've closed the cover and you're sitting in your easy chair with your cocktail at your elbow and you're thinking about what you've just absorbed you're going to say, wow, that was really quite an experience. I never realized that such a complex, difficult subject could be explained in such easy, palatable terms. You're going to actually have become a Medicare expert. Your friends and neighbors will wonder at your newfound knowledge. So I would suggest that you go to barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com and search for Medicare for the Lazy Man and add the appropriate year afterwards. It may be 2023 or it may be 2024 to get the latest edition and uh, purchase that edition. You can purchase it in any one of four different types of books at uh, amazon.com. You've got the Kindle version or ebook. You've got the uh, audible version. You've got the paperback, which is the one most people seem to go for. And you've got the magnificent hardcover edition that is uh, a keepsake and perhaps uh, a gift for the uh, friends and neighbors and loved ones that need to share your Medicare knowledge. So Medicare for the lazy man, 2023 or whatever edition is newest for you. And uh, that will solve many of your Medicare problems or head them off at the pass. Randy Carson is our engineer, our producer, and our close personal friend. And I'd like to welcome him every time we record an episode. Randy, it's great to see you again. I really enjoy being seen. <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear it. Never shall the day come when you aren't seen anymore, I hope. Yeah, well, the bottom line is I, I always enjoy it when I wake up in the morning and I'm on this side of the sand. Yeah, or the sod, as they would say in Ireland. Or, or yeah, and the, the, you would say the sod in Ireland. So, sure. so let, let us get started. This is a very important piece 
of each episode. It's my favorite piece of each episode. This we have worked our this this is a list, folks, of the 50 stupidest laws on the books in the United States of America. And we have worked ourselves down through the first 25. We are going to be on number 24 stupid law today. And this is a law that would dramatically impact Doug and I. So we don't want to go anywhere close to the place that has passed this law. Uh, you are going to be fined 100 bucks, or be imprisoned in the county jail for not more than 30 days or both wow. in, in Mississippi if you uh, do this. Well, <laughs> is that it or are there more hints coming? Nope, that's it. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, I'm telling you right now, the, I think the biggest hint is that it must have been enacted a long, long time ago when $100 was really $100. Now, yeah. we have had too many Democrat administrations that have caused huge inflation uh, in the last uh, bunch of decades, and therefore $100 is not what it used to be. But a month in jail is still something to be feared. That's still a month in jail. That's Yeah, that's never going to be any less than a month in jail. And frankly, they can't, even Demo, evil bastard Democrats can't make time go faster than than uh, it already does. So, uh, what and during that during that month in jail, you do have an opportunity to meet several people named Bubba. Yeah, and Bubba's uh, not always interested in your welfare. He's <laughs> more interested in how you can help him, and so that's, that's not right. exactly. So, I would guess that this is a crime. You've what you've done is you've told me that this crime was serious, and it was very serious a long, long time ago. And I'm guessing the law remains on the books because nobody thought it was important to repeal it. So, with that, I you know what what was illegal or frowned upon a hundred fifty years ago? That would be my searching area. What was evil in Mississippi in the 1800s. And I'm going to say probably uh, the the law in question has something to do with gatherings. In other words, uh, don't uh, host a party outside your house uh, without getting a permit. Uh, otherwise, you know, you're, you're in violation of several statutes, I would think, in, in towns. You're uh, uh, peace, not keeping the peace. I, I would like to tell you that that was the right answer. Okay, well, you can go ahead and do that. But I'm not going to. Oh, geez. <laughs> Anyone in Mississippi who profanely swears oh, or uses vulgar language or indecent language or is drunk in any public place uh -oh. in the presence of two or more individuals. Ooh, will boy. be arrested when convicted, will pay a fine of $100 or be imprisoned in the county jail for not more than 30 days or both. So the bottom line is you got to drink in small groups. Well, sure. Less than two people with you, right? Uh, two or more. Two or so Okay. If, so it's just you and one other person. You, you Because wouldn't you count as two? I mean, Probably. If, if you, had, you and me down at the, you know, the Buffalo chip, that's two people, isn't it? And you can't tell them what's on your mind because how do you avoid using these profanities that we've come to embrace so vigorously? I know, I know. So you know, I'm thinking, Doug, when you when you in your Corvette club, uh, you know, plot out your next road trip. Have you ever considered Mississippi, or have you just stayed away from it? 
we've been in Mississippi and we've thoroughly enjoyed our time there, but I can't say that the enactment of that law changed Mississippi into a a, uh, a heaven, you know, of of yeah. uh, well-behaved, polite people that don't swear. I'm inclined to think that um, it has been ignored by most Mississippians. Yeah, you know, some people, you know, some people would agree with you. It's and probably frankly, just like those Medicare Advantage salesmen. Uh, they ignore they ignore a lot of the rules too. They ignore the rules until they get caught, and then they pretend to be distraught. Oh my God, I didn't know I was doing any damage to these fine people that I I try to serve. Yeah, a bunch of crap. Oop, I what? might have just. I might have just uh, oh, committed a crime in Mississippi. That, that'll take you right to jail in Mississippi, Doug. Oh, oh wait a minute! Boy. It wasn't Doug. Somebody else in the somebody else Thank in the you. studio said that. Yeah, let's uh, let's turn on somebody else, shall we? Uh, <laughs> anyway, that's an interesting law, and I know that the passage of that law really didn't clean up anybody's behavior. No, uh, no, you're right about that. You're right about that. Well, you know something? We are going to march forward whether we're going to curse or swear or not. So I'm going to go ahead and mute myself out so I can say whatever I want to. I'm going to be reading your lips. And if you say <laughs> anything that wouldn't comport with the law, I might be uh, tempted to turn you in. But let's begin by talking about a subject that we don't talk about too often here at Medicare for the Lazy Men, because it's not Medicare, it's Social Security. I have people asking me periodically whether I'm a social security expert. Can I advise them on what to do and when to do it and all that stuff? And I always say, no, I am not a social security expert. So I ran across this little article that I thought might be helpful for people that are looking for social security expertise. And um, it starts out uh, actually the content curator who has been very helpful with this episode uh, made a notation at the top of this article that uh, for 2024, Social Security has instituted a 3.2% COLA, cost of living adjustment, uh, that starts in January. So whatever Social Security benefit you might have been getting in 2023, it's going to be 3.2% higher, uh, I guess. So the headline of this article is Common Social Security Misconceptions. Social Security was established to give economic security to the elderly. The Social Security bill was signed into law in 1935. This social insurance was designed to provide security against the hazards and vicissitudes of life, in, in the words of people in 1935. I don't know of anybody that uses the word vicissitude, although I get an idea that Randy's going to steal that from my vocabulary and start using it more frequently. Today, Social Security primarily benefits qualifying retired people, and surviving spouses and children. It also helps pay monthly bills for disabled workers and their families who qualify for the program. Here are some common Social Security misconceptions. Uh, apparently, this is uh, misconception number one. It's a big deal. Many people rely on Social Security during their retirement years. Uh, per Center uh, on Budget and Policy Priorities, Okay, in the words of the Center on Budget and Policy Priorities, Social Security is the biggest source of retirement income for most retirees. Thus, Social Security is extremely important to many older Americans. So is that a misconception? I don't know. This article purports to be about misconceptions. The first one they start with is not really a misconception at all. So let's go to the second one. What's up with Social Security? <laughs> 
Okay, this sounds like a comedy uh, bit we're embarking on here. Per a Social Security trustee's report, the Social Security Trust Fund Reserves will likely be depleted by the year 2033. CBS News, always a bastion of um, reliable reporting, shares that, that this date was moved up by one year due to shifts such as slowing economic growth. And if Congress doesn't act soon, people should expect benefits to be reduced as reserve funds run dry. How is it funded? Note that Social Security is largely funded by working Americans. Workers and employees and self-employed individuals make contributions through payroll taxes to fund the program. However, there are concerns over how long Social Security will last. As the number of senior citizens who depend on Social Security contributions increases, the birth rates decline, which thereby reduces the workforce and the structure can no longer support itself. Social Security is complex. Okay, so far I'm not seeing anything that's a misconception, even though the headline said these are all Social Security misconceptions. Every one of them is true. So Social Security is complex. Well, it can be. Not only do rules govern Social Security, but important decisions like when to apply matter. Because there are many factors that come into play that can lead to different financial outcomes, a Social Security advisor is a valuable resource. Armed with a wealth of Social Security information, they can help seniors or people who are planning for retirement make informed decisions, such as how to maximize their benefits. The next little headline is, Do I Qualify? The Social Security retirement benefit is a monthly amount that replaces part of one's income when employed individuals over a certain age reduce their hours or retire. Eligibility is based on work, as Social Security taxes are generally taken from paychecks. To see if you're eligible for Social Security, click here. <laughs> okay, I don't have a button on my forehead, so we're going to have to skip that sentence. And then the next little segment, let's be honest. That starts out by saying there are many misconceptions. Finally, we get to some misconceptions. Let's look at a few common misconceptions to learn the truth. Misconception number one, there's a fee to apply for Social Security. Wrong. There is no fee to apply for Social Security. When a qualified individual is ready to apply for retirement benefits or Medicare, they may do so online or by calling a telephone number. They can visit uh, or uh, they can visit an office in person if they like. It would be best if they call in advance to make an appointment. Uh, misconception number two, I must turn 62 to apply. False. The statement that one must turn 62 before applying for Social Security is typically incorrect. The Social Security Administration states that one must be at least 61 years and nine months old to begin applying. Bear in mind that applying early reduces one's benefits. So if you can wait, it's generally better in the long run. Know that it's important to apply for Social Security when the time is right for you based on your unique personal situations and finances. While a person is certainly eligible to begin collecting payments early, note that more benefits can be realized by waiting. For this reason, many people delay applying until they meet full retirement age or turn 70 to get maximum benefits. Misconception number three, I deserve the benefits. Oh boy, I don't like that. I deserve the benefits, so it's best to apply early. No, 
Not so fast. Most workers are deserving of the benefits. However, this doesn't mean they should apply for Social Security benefits early. In fact, many experts caution just because you can apply doesn't mean you should do it right away. Here's the deal. Taking Social Security early reduces monthly benefits. If you are confident that you will likely live past 80, it's probably not a good idea to apply early unless you must. Generally, the only people who should consider applying on the early side are those who immediately need the benefits to live or those who do not expect to live long due to the illnesses or diseases that will likely shorten their life. Typically, healthy people who do not need the money at the qualifying age are better served by waiting until the full retirement age or age 70 if possible. Misconception number four, Congress doesn't pay Social Security. Incorrect. For many years, senators and representatives did not pay uh, uh, did not pay into Social Security. They were initially covered by the Civil Service Retirement System, which was a pension plan. While they were allowed to remain in their plans, in 1984, changes were made to Social Security. Since then, like everyone else, all members of Congress, regardless of length of time in office, pay into the Social Security system. So it's to their advantage as well as ours to fix the broken Social Security system and to promote the ability for senior citizens who paid in to live in dignity. Misconception number five, you cannot get your Social Security payment directly deposited. Fake news. Federal law mandates that all federal benefit payments to include Social Security and Supplemental Security income benefits must be made electronically. One way is through direct deposit. What is it? Direct deposit describes payments sent electronically to an account in a financial institution. One may have Social Security payments directly deposited to a bank, trust company, savings and loan, or a credit union, for example. Uh, their benefits may be um, put into direct express debit MasterCard per Social Security. They love that word per. Per SSA, which is the Social Security Administration, direct deposit is now the standard way to re- receive benefits. It's safe, quick, and convenient for most people. So many common Social Security misconceptions exist. This underscores the importance of self-education, financial planning, creating strategies for the future. Proper decision-making is key when it comes to establishing a secure and comfortable lifestyle in retirement. Social Security helps many people live well in their later years, so it's important to optimize benefits. All righty. Well, going from Social Security to uh, a subject that we do not really enjoy that much, Here's a little blurb on Alzheimer's, and it says, New Directions in Dementia Research. Notice how we just change direction so quickly around here. This this article is um, in conversation. I don't know exactly what that refers to. New Directions in Dementia Research. This was curated by the content curator, so I'm sure it's going to be exciting. Millions of people around the world live with a form of dementia, which severely affects both their own careers and quality of life. Specific causes behind dementia remain unclear, but researchers are making steady progress in finding out more about its mechanisms. Dementia is a neurocognitive syndrome that refers to a collection of symptoms related to memory loss and the decline of cognitive function. The most common form of dementia is Alzheimer's disease. And uh, it affects as many as um, 5.8 million people. 
there are some treatments that can help alleviate some dementia systems. Now, that's good news, symptoms. Um, but for most forms of dementia, uh, they are currently incurable, and research continues to investigate the mechanisms through which this syndrome develops with a view to developing better treatments and preventive strategies. Um, let's start with an overview of dementia and its causes. Uh, this Oh, this is an interview. It's a dementia definition and genetic risk. Uh, this uh, interviewee says, I always think that it's good when we're discussing dementia to start off with a definition of what we mean by dementia. Often, you might hear people use it interchangeably with things like Alzheimer's disease, but they're very distinct things. Dementia, we kind of describe it as an umbrella term. It describes a set of symptoms. It's a clinical syndrome. These symptoms are often associated with memory impairment. But for a diagnosis of dementia, you also have to have an impairment in one or more other cognitive domains as well. This might be personality. It might be visual spatial skills, for example. Uh, and then the question is, is dementia hereditary? And the answer to that is it all depends on what brain disease we're talking about. So if we're going to talk about Alzheimer's disease, which I think is a good idea because it, it is the most common brain disease that leads to dementia, there are some types of Alzheimer's disease that are hereditary and some types that are not. Uh, the most common type of Alzheimer's disease is what we call sporadic Alzheimer's disease that counts for 97% of Alzheimer's disease cases. So 3% of the cases of Alzheimer's disease will have that known genetic origin. This is caused by genetic mutations. So uh, apparently of all the people with Alzheimer's, only 3% have the genetically acquired type and 97% is sporadic. How doctors diagnose dementias? <clears throat> there are different types of scans that can be done, such as PET scans and MRIs. In terms of how well they can contribute to the diagnosis of uh, brain diseases, they're questionable, this guy says, because we're looking at brain changes that are associated with Alzheimer's disease. For example, the question is, how well can we see that pathology in the brain in life? Something like Alzheimer's disease can actually only be diagnosed after death, when we can confirm that those pathological, pathological changes in the brain were actually there. But PET scans or CT scans or MRIs, uh, those can see that there is general atrophy in the brain, and that's something that we would expect to see in something like Alzheimer's disease, particularly atrophy around the hippocampus, which is the part of the brain that's responsible for different memory processes. Hmm. Oh, I think the uh, content curator left us hanging out there high and dry. So I'm going to say that's enough dementia talk for today. Let us revisit this at some point in the future, shall we? Uh, another little thing I like to do, this is just a pre-Christmas uh, fun time for me. I subscribe to a, uh, a service and every week, actually two times a week, they send me a list of all the people that want to be guests on my podcast. And they're hoping that I'll click on the, uh, the uh, picture of the people and learn more about them and then invite them to become a guest on the podcast. So this uh, particular edition came out last week and I was struck by the, the uh, fantastic quality of the podcast episode guests that are out there. And I uh, starting with a guy who, specializes in workplace kindness. 
Uh, Randy would say that we probably need more kindness around the Medicare for the lazy man uh, empire here. Um, and I'm going to say I'm, I would disagree because I like to crack the whip and keep things moving. But this gentleman has a big old grin on his face, and he says, workplace kindness. He specializes also in writing, diversity, inclusion, and equity, and remote hybrid working. Remote and hybrid working. His bio is that he grew up learning that everyone deserves a place at the table where we can plan and build the future that we want to live in. With that vision of the future guiding me, I have worked for 30 years as a leader in five industries. Couldn't couldn't just make it in one. He had to keep trying and wound up in five different industries. Using those experiences, I coach people to effectively navigate the workplace, create an inclusive and diverse workforce, and develop talent in hybrid or remote situations. Uh, he can discuss these topics, workplace culture and networking. Um, suggested interview questions. So this would be what I would ask him if he was a guest. I would say, what are the keys to making a workplace kinder? I could also ask him, how do you locate diverse talent? Now, the the chances of me asking this guy or anybody else, any either of those two questions is very, very remote. So moving on from him, we have a woman who is the owner of a well-questioned life. Now, you might ask yourself what a well-questioned life is. I'm asking myself right now, and I frankly, the answer uh, to me is I don't really care. It, it, a well-questioned life is not something that's ever uh, crossed my radar screen. This person is also a writer with a book getting published soon. So she might be a writer, but she's not an author because she does not yet have her book published. Now, here's a picture of a woman with a very strange name. I'm pretty sure it's a woman because she's got one of those top knots on her head. I mean, it's her hair piled up. Um, frankly, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's a woman, but you know, with the name that she's displaying here, it's possible that I'm wrong about that. She's an expert in somatic leadership, embodiment in the workplace, and effective business relationships. Well, I don't know what the first two are, somatic leadership and embodiment in the workplace, Effective business relationships, I can kind of surmise what she's talking about. But moving on, we've got a guy here who is the creator of the Shed Fat Fast program, which has helped over 1,500 clients get into the best shape of their lives through a proven fasting protocol. And uh, the picture, he's standing in front of a poster that's got a whole lot of big words written all over it. I can't tell what any of those words is. And I think he's wearing a silly hat. Might be one of those beer can hats where you got a beer can above each ear and uh, straws leading to your mouth. Oh, I know what it is. No, it's a kid. This is so, this is such a tiny picture. It's a kid sitting on his shoulders. That's what it is, a little kid. So we've got another guy here um, revealing memoir about life altering experiences in the Congo and behind the closed doors of Congress sheds light on issues today. Revealing memoir about life-altering experiences in Congo and behind closed doors of Congress sheds light on issues today. These people write their own verbiage, and the owner of the service only puts their words in, and often the words don't make any sense at all because these people don't know how to proofread their own work. So that guy's um, senseless description of what he's there to talk about is uh, fascinating to me that somebody would allow that to uh, be sent out in this list of uh, podcast guests. 
Here's another one. A pioneer of podcasting starting over 15 years ago, former on the Atlanta Braves ground crew. So the guy was a groundskeeper for the Atlanta Braves, and now he's a pioneer of podcasting starting over 15 years ago. Um, here's a guy who's experienced as a reluctant entrepreneur, business owner, and speaker, podcast producer, and podcast host. So he was reluctant to do all of those things, and he, we're supposed to be interested in what he has to say. There's a woman, a logical atheist, who investigated the evidence and thinks there is an afterlife. Uh, she's also an expert in low waste lifestyle, entrepreneur plus author. That didn't tell us a whole lot. Uh, here's a guy who is super damaged yet hilarious queer bases, business, spirit, health, balance, and energy work. I'm going to read that again. Super damaged yet hilarious queer bases, business, spirit, health, balance, and energy work. I, I don't know that I would ever invite this guy to uh, join us in the podcast uh, world. Our, our, you know We're too easily confused. Um, he also talks about shamanism and channeling books. While classical ballet was the majority of my 20-year career, I was also in a Broadway show, Fosse uh, in parentheses, and then spent many years as a backup dancer for Celine Dion. <clears throat> What would you ask a guy like that, for Christ's sake? Uh, here's a guy who says, I help modern, empowered couples thrive. Well, we're doing just fine without you, dude. I'm Here's another guy. I'm a psychic medium, tarot reader, healer, and intuitive empath. My services include a multitude of different readings and healings. Another guy lost $2.25 in a failed takeover of his family's media dynasty and he emerged to help others turn their tragedies into triumphs. Hmm. I'm not sure I want a guy who lost $2.25 billion to give me any advice about monetary situations. So here's a guy who says he's the uncertainty scientist, author of Decoding Change. He helps CEOs and entrepreneurs and investment professionals navigate the rapidly changing world. And another woman who says, as a speaker, sleep psychologist, and creative coach, I use compassion-focused psychology-based strategies to help people live their dreams. Uh, I think the audience should probably send us money for the valuable service that we're performing and not having any of these people as guests, Randy, because frankly, if we inflicted them on the audience, I think they would be displeased. Here's a person who is an ex-engineer, investor, family office consultant, owner of 10,000 rental units. So the, I don't know exactly why we would want to talk to this person. And he's got a wacky, wacky name. Um, so I'm just uh, amazed at some of these people who think that podcasting is going to be uh, providing their new lifestyle just as soon as they get enough people tricked into listening to them. I'm guessing that um, that they'll be looking for other work as soon as their money runs out. That would be my thought. Uh, Randy, I would say that we are about ready to take our Christmas break, our Christmas and New Year's break. What do you say? We are, but I have one just little tiny piece of information that I wanted to share with you. Please do. Early on in this episode, and, and actually the one just before this, we were talking about all the various ways that 
Medicare disadvantaged people, you know, kind of bend the truth a little bit. Yes, yeah, they sure do. Well, one of one of those is they constantly use the colors red, white, and blue to imply that they're part of Medicare or that they're part of the government. Yep, and they also have pictures of that red, white, and blue Medicare card as yes. though they're part of the organization that created it. Well, I've got an idea. Okay. So that there will not be any future confusion either by color or by representation, uh-huh. I would like to start some sort of a program that people can sign up for, and I will be happy to provide the artwork. Skull and Crossbones. Ah, yes, yes. That should be the um, the logo for every yes. Medicare Advantage plan. Yes, I think that would be very, very very, very capable of not allowing any future confusion. You know, I got to hand it to you. Some people think that I'm boring uh, everybody with the reading of these articles about Medicare and Social Security and so forth. But what they do is they give you time to think of nefarious things to uh, <laughs> uh, to, to uh, torture our enemies with. So I'm pretty That's proud right. of you. That's right. Well, I nice work. I had I dreamt this one up early in the episode, but I think it's a good one. Skull and Crossbones. Let's Um, do that. You know, I think that would be a very good one because who in the world could possibly, if they saw that as a logo, get confused that it was anything to be good, anything good for them or anything good for anybody or good ever again. I think we ought to go back to the website and impose a skull and crossbones everywhere. The words Medicare and Advantage are paired up together. Well, that or we could we could actually shuffle the ones that I've come up with. Uh, you know, Medicare disadvantage was one of the first ones that everyone started stealing from us. Sure, Medicrap is one that you've uh, Medicrap, you're very proud of, rightfully that's so. A, that's that's a newer one. There's scam vantage. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then one of the newer ones I've come up with is Meta Trap. Yeah, and that's indicative of the fact that once you go in, just like a roach motel, it's hard to get out. You may not ever be able to get out. Medicare Advantage is very similar to a glue trap. Have you ever seen a glue trap? Well, not not close up. I have never been stuck in one, (laughs) if that's what you're asking. Oh, they're kind of neat little things, uh, but it's nothing you want to get close to, I'm telling Um, you. Absolutely not. Well, we have spent our 75 cents. So I need to land the plane and we are going to take a little bit of a breather here because we've got a kind of a holiday, kind of an oddball holiday week in between here and New Year's. So uh, we're going to do some other things that you will all be excited about when we get them published. Ultimately, though, I need to land the plane on 32 right. And we're going to uh, also talk about some things that I always cover before we do. You can reach out to Doug at DBJ at Medic. Oh, no, that's not the right one. No, no, that's horrible. DBJ at MLMMailbag.com. Once again, that's DBJ at MLMMailbag.com. Don't forget, he's licensed nationwide to help you with your Medicare supplement planning. Check us out at the website, MedicareForTheLazyMan.com. We would also appreciate it if you could find a place to give us a review. It doesn't have to be complicated. Just say, hey, love the podcast. That will do it for us. Or love and the book. Love, love the, book. the book. 
Yeah, love the love the uh, website. You know, we anything that we produce as far as content, you feel free to love it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and last but certainly not least, thank you for joining us. You could have been in many different places doing many different things, and you weren't. We had you here with us, which is exactly where we want you. And if you didn't look at your watch, you have just spent about 32 and a half minutes with Doug Jones, the anti-insurance insurance guy from Oklahoma. No more. He's camped out in the high ground behind Cave Creek, Arizona. And once again, I'm going to take it easy on him. We're only at about 6,500 feet. Well, thank you, Randy, and thank you, ladies and gentlemen. We've enjoyed having you with us, and we look forward to our next meeting together. Bye-bye. <laughs>